What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Recorded live. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
stretch your hands toward heaven and your forces will unfold. Good morning to my sister, strong Nubian princess. This is your wake up call. Come out of your trenches to the European woman and the lady from the Orient. I've got a message for you, girl. This is the master, the master's message that is sent.
she poured, her eyes sparkled, and she encouraged us to drink all of it so that when we finished, she could read the leaves in the bottom of our cups. Finally, when we were finished, our host gently took our cups and peered curiously into the bottom of each, and though I must confess that I do not remember much about the content of her readings, I do remember the wise words that followed. She said, always read thoroughly, lest you miss the most important part. That's the Reverend Paul Roberts. I'm Peter Wallace, and this is a new day of faith and hope. This is Day One. Welcome to Day One, the weekly program that brings you outstanding preachers from America's mainline Protestant churches, sharing insight and inspiration from God's Word for your life. Here's our 
host, Peter Wallace, to introduce this week's speaker. Thank you, Sherry. Today on day one, we're honored to have with us the Reverend Paul T. Roberts, Sr., president of Johnson C. Smith Theological Seminary in Atlanta, Georgia, a position he has held for the past five years. Paul graduated from Princeton University, and after working for eight years in advertising in New York City, he moved to Atlanta and studied for his Master of Divinity degree at Johnson C. Smith Seminary. He is also an academic fellow of the Ecumenical Institute of Basse in Switzerland. For 13 years, Paul served as the pastor of the Church of the Master in Atlanta, Georgia. Paul, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Johnson C. Smith Theological Seminary is one of ten theological schools of the Presbyterian Church USA, and the only one that is historically African-American. It has a history stretching back to 1867. But these days, seminaries are facing great changes in order to train ministers and serve the church in new ways. And the past year has been quite a dramatic one for Johnson C. Smith. So in response to this rapidly changing church and society, what's happening at the seminary? For the last 45 years, Johnson C. Smith Seminary has belonged to a consortium of historically African-American seminaries called the Interdenominational Theological Center. And in light of the changes that you've described, our institution has felt very called to go about theological education in a different kind of way. We didn't always have clarity about what that would look like, but we were pretty clear that uh, the times demanded some radical change. And so we withdrew. It's a very difficult decision, though Mm -hmm. the right decision for us. We withdrew our membership from the Interdenominational Theological Center and took up residence at the offices of the Presbytery of Greater Atlanta in Midtown, the middle of the city. And uh, our decision has landed us in a very unusual and some would say unfavorable uh, set of circumstances in that uh, by withdrawing from that consortium, we left behind faculty Mm -hmm. and uh, we left behind campus and students and accreditation. So uh, Johnson C. Smith Seminary now is uh, engaged in a very intense sort of uh, discernment process. Mm -hmm. We are uh, being led by a consultant and we are doing our due diligence, our strategic planning, our business planning, and look forward in early 2015 to announcing our new direction. And the seminary's new tagline is called to create what's next. And part of that might involve the use of web-based and mobile technology in delivering affordable theological education. Our times seem to call for that. How do you think that will work? I think the times do call for that. We're seeing now students, graduates of seminaries and other institutions of higher learning incurring tremendous amounts of debt, student loan debt. And so affordability is is going to be key moving forward for um, our colleges and universities and institutions of higher learning. And so it's one way that you can deliver education and keep it cost-effective is to rely on the digital uh, resources, on the technology. For us, that's going to mean, in the short term at least, that we convene sort of um, small classes and uh, 
uh, broadcast those mm -hmm. via webinar, maybe do some live streaming, and uh, allow for uh, people to stay where they are mm -hmm. and still have the benefit of an instructor and digital interaction with fellow students. Well, your sermon for the second Sunday after Epiphany is based on 1 Samuel chapter 3, the story of the calling of the prophet Samuel. Would you read the text for us? Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time. And he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel! Samuel, Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Paul, we look forward to learning more about this in your sermon, A Fresh Read. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much, Peter. And if you'd like to listen again to today's program or read or share a transcript of Paul Roberts' sermon, visit our website at dayone.org. Or for a free printed sermon transcript, call us toll-free at 888-411-DAY1. In a 2010 biblical commentary entitled The Africana Bible, Reading Israel's Scriptures from Africa and the African Diaspora, published by Fortress Press. Dr. Randall C. Bailey, a noted Old Testament scholar from Atlanta, writes, Traditionally, the Book of Judges gets its name from the charismatic leaders who rescue the Israelites from foreign oppression, such as Jephthah, Abimelech, and Gideon, who are called major judges. With a surface reading of the book and an appreciation for the patriarchal nature of the biblical materials, one would think that the book is designed to lift up new heroes for the people. The problem is that all of the male heroes are flawed. Othniel cannot speak up to get a good land allotment. Barak will not go to war without Deborah. Gideon keeps testing God. Ehud is left-handed. 
which parenthetically was regarded by the ancients as a defect. Manoah cannot get the angel to recognize his authority, and Samson fails to free his people and fails to curtail his womanizing. Bailey goes on to recommend that it may be time for another reading of the book. Dr. Bailey's recommendation is not inconsistent with the words of a very dear family friend, now deceased, who invited my wife and me to her home for tea on a fall afternoon about 15 years ago. A devout Christian from Lebanon with a magnetic personality and the gift of hospitality, she served our tea on a silver platter and filled three fine porcelain cups with an aromatic Middle Eastern brew. As she poured, her eyes sparkled, and she encouraged us to drink all of it so that when we finished, she could read the leaves in the bottom of our cups. Intrigued, my wife and I obliged, enjoying both conversation and crumpets as we sipped. Finally, when we were finished, our host gently took our cups and peered curiously into the bottom of each, glancing up at us, occasionally with mischief in her eyes, but then quickly redirecting her gaze to the content of the cups. It was great fun, and though I must confess that I do not remember much about the content of her readings, I do remember the wise words that followed. She said, always read thoroughly, lest you miss the most important part. Her words recall what the late Anthony DeMello, a well-known Jesuit priest, identified as an essential life skill, the ability to look ponderously at one's circumstances in order to bring meaning, purpose, and fulfillment to our lives. The Bible offers a story of a pre-adolescent priest-to-be named Samuel. One cannot give adequate consideration to Samuel's legacy, though, without first considering his origins. Samuel's birth is one of those unique cases in the Bible that signal the coming of one who is very special. Like the mothers of some other prominent figures in the Bible, Samuel's mother, Hannah, is childless when we first encounter her. She longs desperately for a son. She's vulnerable. She feels inadequate. Sometimes she is provoked by her husband's other wife. Polygamy was common back then. A wife who does have children. She refuses to eat. If she does eat, she's crying in her soup. Once her husband made a lame attempt to console her by saying, What about me? At least you have me. Am I not worth more than ten sons? No surprise, that didn't work. She still wallowed in her sorrow and was, in the words of singer Larry Gatlin, a broken lady waiting to be mended. This can be said of so many of us, can't it? Day by day, for varied reasons, we cry in our soup. We're broken, many of us. Our bodies are broken, our resolve is broken. Our hearts, our spirits are broken. We feel like we've fallen and we can't get up. Or can we? About Hannah, 1 Samuel 1, 9 says, Once when they, she and her husband Elkanah, had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, she stood up. Yes, she stood up. 
After an indeterminate time of feeling depressed over her childless state, Hannah stood up. After enduring years of provocation from her husband's competing lover, Hannah stood up. After suffering the indignities culturally associated in her day with being childless, Hannah stood up. In spite of long-held feelings of worthlessness and inadequacy, Hannah stood up. In an age when all lives may have mattered, but women's lives mattered not quite as much, Hannah stood up. It's not clear what prompted the change in her perspective. Perhaps she was offered some wisdom similar to that of current author Mandy Hale, who wrote, Strong women don't play victim, don't make themselves look pitiful, and don't point fingers. They stand, and they deal. Or, since they were in Shiloh, which was the seat and center of Hebrew worship at the time, maybe an encounter with the Spirit of God is what plucked her from her pity party, gave her a fresh read and a new lease, and made her aware of the redemptive power of God and the resilience of the human spirit. Whatever, Hannah stood up. She prayed to the Lord. She and Elkanah conceived. She gave birth to a son and called him Samuel, a name memorializing the fact that her prayers were answered. As I said earlier, our family friend told us, read thoroughly, lest you miss the most important part. Perhaps a better way of saying it for this occasion simply is to use the word discern. Indeed, what I'm describing, I pray not in vain, is the nature of discernment. Without it, our lives are deprived of their fullness and purpose. Thanks in no small measure to his mother, Hannah, the art of discernment is firmly established in Samuel's spiritual DNA. Even so, because of his tender age, as we see in this third chapter, he needs a little help with it. As the story unfolds, Samuel is sleeping in the temple near the very presence of God, when he was awakened by the sound of his own name being called out, Samuel, Samuel. Unfamiliar like the rest of us with the sounding call of God, Samuel thinks his mentor, Eli, is calling him. So he runs in to see what Eli wants, but Eli has not called. Samuel returns to his bed, goes back to sleep, and is awakened by a voice. He runs into Eli's room, but Eli has not called. The same thing happens a third time. Reading the circumstances more thoroughly this time, Eli advises the boy Samuel, go and lie down, and if you hear the voice again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Eli discerns that God is speaking to Samuel, 
he then teaches Samuel himself how to discern. His mastery of this one skill is perhaps the hallmark of his entire career and establishes him, as one commentator has said, as second only to Moses in his contribution to the vitality of the Israelites. The word discern is not prominent in today's American lexicon, and it shows. An article from the Huffington Post, published in January 2014, indicates that 250 million of the world's 650 million school-age children cannot read. This statistic has dire consequences for global productivity and well-being. I believe it has spiritual implications as well. Why? Reading is an act of interpretation. It is not merely a recitation of words on a page. It's the act of interpreting the meaning behind combinations of words. If we're failing to teach basic reading to a third of our world's children, and mind you, the statistics in the U.S. are not much better, how then will they pick up the more advanced skills of interpretation and discernment, skills such as how to learn from one's mistakes, how not to judge a book by its cover, how to give every human being a fair shake regardless of class, gender, orientation, religion, or racial ethnic identity, how to be objective, how to be students of human behavior, how not to take it personally, how not to take oneself too seriously, how to look for the presence of the divine in the expected and the unexpected places, how to hear a voice, and be able to distinguish it as the very voice of God. How, when you think you might be hearing the voice of God, to sit still long enough to hear what he has to say. Recently, I was among a group of people that was asked to describe the kind of city we would want to create and live in. All kinds of answers sprung up in people's minds from cities with modern architecture and family-friendly parks to cities shaped by a genuine quest for justice for all people. One respondent wrote, as an African-American male myself and as the father of two African-American male sons, I'm concerned about and am having a difficult time discerning what seems to be a perilous intersection between the men of color in this country and law enforcement. Rooted often, it seems to me, more in fictionalized identity and stereotype than in reality. I want to create and live in a city where difference is not feared but welcomed. I want to create and live in a city where my brown-skinned children are as safe and as valued as any other child. I want to create and live in a city not where the superficial is important, but where the important is important. I listen to that respondent, and even now as those words ring, I hear the other voice, the voice of my friend, read thoroughly, lest you miss the most important part. 
Clara Scott, a hymn writer from the Midwest, wrote what has become a standard among many congregations over the last 100 years. Open My Eyes That I May See was written in 1895, not long before Clara's death, presumably at a time when her senses, her speech, her powers of discernment were growing feeble, not unlike the priest Eli. All the more reason the words of this hymn carry great import for us even today. Open my eyes that I may see glimpses of truth thou hast for me. Place in my hands the wonderful key that shall unclasp and set me free. Open my ears that I may hear voices of truth thou sendest clear. And while the wave notes fall on my ear, everything false will disappear. Open my mouth and let me bear gladly the warm truth everywhere. Open my heart and let me prepare love with thy children thus to share. Silently now I wait for thee. Ready, my God, thy will to see. Open my eyes, illumine me, spirit divine. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. This is Sherry Miller. How is the Day One ministry helping people, and why should you support it? Some listeners explain. Brenda in Pennsylvania says, Every Sunday, Day One gives me a message I can carry throughout my week. Mike in Minnesota says, There's not another program like Day One. It allows you to hear the Word of God from so many gifted voices. David in Texas says, Day One is a remarkable aid not only for a fresh look at a particular Bible text, but as a means to challenge me in my own faith development. And Carolyn in Georgia says, I start my Sunday worship with the Day One program. It prepares me for my church experience, but more than that, it speaks to my heart and gives me the message I need. Please give generously to enable Day One to continue to proclaim this much-needed message on the radio and online in the year ahead. Send your gift to Day One, 2715 Peachtree Road, Atlanta, Georgia, 30305. That's 2715 Peachtree Road, Atlanta, Georgia, 30305. Or call us at 1-888-411-DAY1. Or give securely online at dayone.org. On behalf of everyone at Day One, thank you for your support. offers some final reflections on his sermon today with our host, Peter Wallace. Paul, the quote you read from Randall Bailey encourages us to find another way of reading the book of Judges and much of Hebrew scriptures because these so-called heroes were also flawed. We do seek heroes of the faith, and we can be disappointed and disillusioned when we realize that they are not perfect, but say more about 
how we might read these stories differently. When I was preparing to go to seminary, my pastor gave me lots of great advice. One of the pieces of advice he gave me was to engage my biblical studies courses as if I'd never read scripture before. Hmm. And he he said to me that the way the the way the Bible is studied in seminary is far different from a Wednesday night Bible study mm-hmm. and far different from what I was accustomed to attending Sunday school every week as a child. And I understand now um, what he meant. We uh, read the Bible, many of us, the way we're accustomed to reading it and the way we have heard it read, and we interpret it the way we have heard it interpreted or the way we thought it was interpreted when we were children. Mm-hmm. So I think the point that Randy Bailey is making and that many seminary professors will make is that we must be aware of what we bring to the classroom, what we bring to any particular reading of Scripture, so that we can be objective and uh, so that we can hear and learn and grow. And uh, it's important that it not be a static process because God's revelation comes to us new every day. And we need to read our own circumstances in life carefully, as Anthony DeMello put it. It's an essential life skill to look ponderously at one's circumstances in order to bring meaning, purpose, and fulfillment to our lives. A fresh read. You also called it the art of discernment. How can we go about doing that in a meaningful way? I love Anthony DeMello so much, uh, his, his work, particularly a book called Awareness, was very impactful. It, it, it's not a churchy kind of book. It's not, he doesn't use a lot of religious language. But what he encourages in that book is, firstly, that we all wake up. He indicates that human beings get into a rut, that we live according to our routines, and many of us go through life on autopilot. And so his first encouragement is to just wake up awaken from our slumber. And in the awakening process, he encourages that we step back, kind of take a a breather. Don't stop living, but uh, take a breather and find a way, a moment, a time to look at our lives, at the content of our lives, as if we were an an objective third party. And I think that's the key. Mm -hmm. It makes a difference in the way we uh, interpret our life's events and empowers, I think, our ability to see how the hand of God is moving. And like Hannah, it empowers us to stand up for justice and for what's right more effectively, I would think. Yes, I fully believe that. When the rigors or the busyness of daily life is is weighing us down, we become sort of self-centered and... I think one of the prices we pay for that is that we lose empathy and sympathy for other people. It becomes very hard to to advocate on behalf of someone else when you're consumed with your own little slice of the world. So I think that's a great point, Peter. Paul Roberts, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much. Great to be here. 
Dave One is the voice of America's mainline Protestant churches. Visit us online at dayone.org. Our program is recorded and edited by Donald Jones and produced by Peter Wallace. Thank you for joining us. I'm Sherry Miller wishing you all God's blessings on day one and forever. Jack one two one two one two one two. This is Sham Radio Network. This is Sham Radio Network. This is Sham Radio Point One. This is Quiet Storm Inspirations. You are listening to the Lighthouse Hour with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. You are listening to Morning Inspirations on Jam Radio 2.1. This is Morning Inspirations on Jam Radio 2.1. You are listening to Quiet Storm Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
Ranger speaking. Yeah, hi. I'd like to report a bear sighting. Location? Uh, in the woods, just outside of town. Oh, not surprising. You've got your home bears have theirs. Yeah, but see, this wasn't just any bear. This bear was wearing jeans and a hat, as in the smoky bear. Jeans and a hat. That's definitely smoky. What exactly did he have to say? Well, we were about to head home, you know, after having a bonfire. Oh, I can guess where this is going. Right, right. See, Smokey told me the fire wasn't actually out. He said if it's too hot to touch, it's too hot to leave. That's true. Did you know that 9 out of 10 wildfires are caused by humans? That means 9 out of 10 wildfires can be prevented. Wow, no kidding? I'm a forest ranger. We never kid. Sorry. <laughs> that was a joke. Oh. Get your smokey on. If you see someone in danger of starting a wildfire, step in and make a difference. Because 9 out of 10 wildfires are caused by humans. Brought to you by Smokey Bear, the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Only you can prevent wildfires. Take a break from your busy schedule and join Harold Sala for Guidelines, a five-minute commentary on living. Grandfather died and left you a rather tidy nest egg. Too large to put in the bank, so you decide to invest it. A friend who knows quite a bit about stocks and bonds gave you a good lead on a stock that has done well in the past. You pray, and then you bought it. But a year later, the stock is worth about half what you paid for it. You are really worried. Why did God let me down your thinking? We prayed about it, and 
Still, the stock didn't do well. Issue. What part does God play in the rise and fall of the stock market? And has he really failed you when the stock market falls? Investments, which are going bad, are on the minds of a lot of people today, including many of you who listen to guidelines. J.I. Packer, in his book Knowing God, addresses the issue as why up prayers in a down market often miss their mark. He suggests six pitfalls into which we fall, which make us vulnerable to misunderstanding, such as I've mentioned. Situations as this happen, says Packer, because of our unwillingness to think. When the market falls like hail that comes from a dark cloud, both the just and the unjust are affected. You have no inside edge on the market because our Heavenly Father knows the future. If the righteous were spared the results of a bad economy, really, everybody would convert to Christianity. Second, condemns Packer, the unwillingness to think ahead and weigh the long-term consequences of alternative courses of action creates confusion. Someone said 75% of all people think they think, 10% really think, and 5% would rather die than think. Seeing the overall picture helps you understand the immediate one, something which is difficult but not impossible. The third reason for our confusion, says Packer, is the unwillingness to take advice. In this, Scripture is emphatic on the need for this. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, says the writer of Proverbs. But he who hearkens unto counsel is wise, says Packer. It is a sign of conceit and immaturity to dispense with taking advice in major decisions. Even if we cannot finally accept their advice, nothing but good will come to us from carefully weighing what they say. You may have prayed before you bought the stock, but did you do your homework? Did you talk to knowledgeable individuals who had no motive for seeing you buy? Reason four, unwillingness to suspect oneself. At times, greed gets the better of reason. Thinking about the high rate of return which the broker said the stock would bring, you were driven by selfishness rather than the wisdom of a good investment. At times, we need to ask ourselves why we feel that a particular course of action is the way to go. Is the feeling based on emotion or desire, or one based on solid evidence and past performance? Reason number five, unwillingness to discount personal magnetism. Strong-willed individuals may know a great deal about one thing, but know practically nothing about something else. Yet it's so hard to acknowledge that you really are ignorant about some things in spite of the fact you know a lot about something else. Reason number six, your unwillingness to wait. Greed is the parent of nine-tenths of our financial failures. The seed sown in the ground doesn't produce an immediate harvest. It takes time. So is it with the rest of life. May I leave you with a closing thought? If something seems too good to be true, it usually is. Someone else said that haste is the parent of nine-tenths of our mistakes. You can go to our website and download what you have just heard or listen to it again. 
it's there to encourage and help you. Go to www.guidelines.org. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to introduce a man who needs no introduction. His credits are too long to list. He has done the impossible time after time. He has, out of a manger in Bethlehem, Jerusalem, by way of heaven, his mother is still headlining in the Catholic Church today. His daddy is the author of a book that has been on the bestseller list since the beginning of time. He holds the record for the world's greatest fish fry. He's fed. 5,000 hungry souls with two fish, five loaves of bread. He can walk on water, turn water into wine. No special effects, no camera tricks. He has a headshot on every church fan across the country. Even before the kings of comedy, he was hailed the king of all kings, ruler of the universe, alpha and omega, beginning and the end, the bright and the morning star. Some say he's the rose of Sharon, and some say he's the prince of peace. Get up on your feet. Put your hands together. And show your love for the second coming of the one and only. God is good. Good morning. This is your early morning gospel program, Morning Spacious. Thank you for listening to it then. And downloading us. Hopefully that you get ready for church and Sunday school this morning. On this wonderful Sunday morning. Here's Carmen. Thank you now.
Um, Richard Sheffield. And you don't have to follow her. I don't know if you actually remember her. She, well, she was actually the Leon, um, her name was actually, um, Leon, um, uh, Richards. But she got, she married, um, I can't think of the guy's name, Sheffield, who plays, um, who plays baseball. But she married him. But the, that was her, um, uh, Back in the day, don't you don't have to follow the crowd. Uh, you're listening to your early morning, Sunday, early morning gospel program, Morning Inspirations. Don't forget, tonight we have Nation Talk at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Good subject of of about the um, immigration issue that's going on right now. Uh, there's been a whole lot of talk about it, and we're going to talk about a lot about it. Tonight on Talk Show here on Nation Talk. Here go, here's the paper boys, the news boys. And I am not ashamed. Good morning to
Cloud. The newsboys, I'm not ashamed. This is your early Sunday morning gospel program. Morning inspirations. Good morning to you and yours. Thanks for listening to it in with us. These are the this is forever Joe.
My name is Lidia Moreno. I'm a mother, and this is how I live United. People in my community are struggling to make ends meet right now, and it concerns me. So I volunteer with United Way to help people get back their earned income tax credit. This is important to me because in the last seven years, it has helped put food on my table and pay my bills. I want everyone to have that same benefit. This year alone, I was able to help over 175 families get back over $243,000 in federal and state income tax. You should hear people when they find out. They say, oh, I'm going to buy a house, or I'm going to take my kids on a special trip. And I still feel like I get back more than I give just by volunteering. My name is Vivia Moreno. I help people achieve financial independence. So I don't just wear this shirt, I live it. Give, advocate, volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We've been married 38 years. We're retired, and this is how we live United. We play golf and we travel, but we also decided we were going to give to and volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. I do the nursing at the clinic. I work the front office, checking in patients, greeting them, making them feel comfortable. United Way is how we contribute, because we know our time and money are going to the right places, the places that need it most and implement it best. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We even get a few bless yous. It's incredible. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. So we don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Crashing in, you're with me, you're with me. Hey, oh, I came crashing in, never gonna be the same again. Hey, you came crashing in. 
Jones and I got the victory. Good morning to you and yours. We'll be right back. Today, we're taking a close look at one of God's greatest gifts, the gift of smell. This is the Creation Moments Minute. The ability to smell is one gift we often take for granted. That's probably because we usually identify things more quickly with one of our other senses. At the same time, Thanksgiving dinner would not be the same without the smell. Some of the most unlikely creatures have a sense of smell. Believe it or not, even fungi have a sense of smell. Worms have organs on their heads to sense odor. Ticks carry their scent-detecting organs on their feet. This arrangement would not work for us. Mollusks smell through their gills. The salmon uses smells to find the same brook in which he was spawned. Lizards and snakes use their tongues to detect scents. More about the gift of smell tomorrow on the Creation Moments Minute. I'm Darren Marlar. This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
You died for me to pay the price for all the wrong things that I've committed against God and against man. I believe that on the third day, by the power of God, you were raised from the dead as living proof that my trust in you tonight is not in vain. I believe that as Christ was raised from the dead, so tonight, Almighty God, you are raising me from the dead, from the death of sin. You are giving me a new life, the life of Jesus Christ. Oh God, on my testimony and the belief in my heart and according to your word, at this moment, I believe I am saved. I am saved. I am saved. Oh, let me ask you, friends, in closing tonight, have you done this? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you come to that obedience of faith? Have you come to that place of true repentance and true faith? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Are you trusting alone tonight in Jesus Christ for your salvation? For there is no other way, there is no other message. For there is no other way, there is no other message. Oh, come to him, come to the Saviour tonight. Come to him just as you are. Come to him in your sin. Come to him in all your needs. And cast yourself upon his mercy and upon his infinite grace. And cast yourself upon his mercy and upon his infinite grace. Cast yourself totally to him. You too will enter into that joy of sins forgiven, peace with God, and eternal, abundant life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. How can I say thanks for the things you have done for me?
to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.